that fertilizer that I gave you for your lemon tree as right. well. And it smells like manure, <laughs> probably because it is. I, I definitely know that it smells like manure because you gave it to me and I kept it in the back of my car until I took it home and it was in the summer. It was hot and then my car smelled like manure. <laughs> I'm sure that was a fertilizer and not the dead body in the trunk. <laughs> Tell people. Oh, oh. <laughs> Jeez. Are you the type of person that listens in on other people's conversations in restaurants? Are you a nosy son of a gun with nothing else to do? Are you out walking your dog looking for an interesting conversation? Are you standing on the ledge of a building, ready to jump, wondering what life is all about? Well, you've come to the right place. Subscribe to Chat Buffet on iTunes, Google, or Spotify. Chat Buffet, the podcast for arbitrary thoughts and everyday observations. Hello. Hi, Joe. Hi, Asha. Hello, listeners. Welcome to Chat Buffet. Hey, Joe. Yes, Asha. What does sorry mean to you? It's kind of a dress that they wear in Calcutta. <laughs> it's not? I didn't say sorry. I said sorry. No, you did. How about sorry? I, I what does it, a sorry mean to I you? I think it's your New Jersey I'm accent. sorry I asked sorry. you that question. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about an apology? <laughs> Yes, like an apology. Think of how many words there are for saying sorry. Being regretful, being remorseful, being contrite, being repentant. I rue the day I ever started this. <laughs> that sounds a lot better than you just saying, I'm sorry about it. Oh, it has a lot of meanings, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does. Not only a lot of meaning, but meanings, but a lot of implications. I think it's one of those things that it's very, very important that it be sincere. Mm. Not only sincere, but when you say you're sorry for something, I mean, if someone's laughing while they're saying it to you, right. would, you know, of course, it wouldn't mean anything, right? Right. I, I was in a very long-term relationship, 25 years, and <laughs> we won't, but we'll we won't, go there. <laughs> we won't name names. This person couldn't say sorry without having a but at the end of that, and then here's why you're wrong and I'm right anyway. Right, right. So somebody once told me that if you're, if you're apologizing, nothing counts before the word but. In That's fact, correct. you might have, actually. This person had an inability to sincerely say, I'm sorry. It means that I'm wrong and that I regret offending you or hurting your feelings or True. slighting you. True. In 25 years, it, it never came up once. See, that's interesting that you say that. I think there are people that just have a problem with that word, that just don't say it. Yeah. And I know people that are like that as well. To the recipient, if you know that other person really well, you know that they're actually sorry. Mm. But the word really means something. I think it's important that the word be said, and it be said in sincerity. I see politicians that will do something that's publicly like awful and they get caught for something then they'll say oh yes i'm sorry for it and i take full blame well what does full blame mean if you don't actually do something beyond that there are no consequences in there's that, no right, right. if yeah. there's no consequences then what do you mean by full blame so like in in a court of law if you do something wrong and you're uh, guilty of it there's consequences, and you go to jail, you pay a fine, you do something. Right. When someone just says, sorry, and I take full blame, okay, 
You took full blame. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, it, it really doesn't mean anything these days, especially in, in the way of politics. People can get away with almost anything. And right. I'm sorry, let's move on. Let's get back to the business of the people. Exactly, exactly. Ugh. Yeah, so what then? What did you just do? You just patted yourself on the back, really. You mm-hmm. didn't really do anything. Politicians as well as entertainment, people in the entertainment industry, I've heard them say, I'm sorry, like they'll say something that's really like not the right thing to say. They'll say sorry and then just want to move on I don't think it means anything if you ask me yeah you have to say okay so I'm sorry so what did you do maybe you offended people that were in a certain community maybe you know the mentally disabled or something like that okay then go volunteer there if you want to say because as an a person in entertainment you're saying sorry to society you're not just saying sorry to one person if I say sorry to you then you know me I know you I've said sorry to you. You can call me out on that if I do that same thing again. Right. Right. It kind of touches on something you had mentioned with regard to child rearing, where it wasn't enough to teach your kids to say, I'm sorry. Really? Well, tell me why you're sorry. Well, the fact is I'm not really sorry. I just Or maybe they don't even know. They just know that you told them to say sorry, so they're repeating after you and saying, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know that exercise in business where one person says, A... And you want the person you're addressing to re- repeat it back to you. Yes, yes, right. yes, yes. So let me let me hear why you're actually sorry. Uh, give it give it to me in right. in other words. You know, why why do you think you slighted me? Why do you think I was offended? Because I want to hear your perspective over, and I want to make sure that what I've said to you really sunk in the right way. If it sinks in, but sinks in the wrong way, or in something. Um, that I didn't intend, mm-hmm. then we haven't really solved the problem. Yeah, or, or I, you know, let me hear why you think I was offended. And you may have missed the, po- the point totally. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. In which case, we're not going in the right direction then. That's right. Hey, I, I, one thing I wanted to mention, by the way, is that mm-hmm. for listeners of our podcast, mm-hmm. this is going to sound a little different. And the reason it does is because Asha is here with me, uh, some eight, eight feet away. Now, we're maintaining social distancing, of course. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Not that it matters. But, uh, but we are here in my, in my man cave, in my, in my inner sanctum. Well, thank you so much, Joe, for pointing that out. You're right. We probably should have started off with that. Just to say that we've gone through several iterations of this podcast, and we've modified a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, We've changed the format a little bit here and there. We've changed our intros. We've changed our cover art. And one of the things that we're trying to do today is see what it's like to actually record in person. So this is very unique to Joe and I. <laughs> yeah. And so far, I think it sounds great. I th- yeah. Well, of course. Well, <laughs> so I actually looked up, sorry, there were some key characteristics they said about having a sincere sorry It's about um, making sure you acknowledge the error, the problem, whatever the issue is, Mm -hmm. to be sincere, to uh, ask for forgiveness, to remember that it's not a win or lose situation. Don't try to place blame. Mm -hmm. You might even have to apologize multiple times. Mm. And how you will change. Oh. is an added benefit to say, okay, I'm sorry, I did what I did. I, I promise not to ever do that again. I'm going to readjust my thinking, my approach, my whatever, you know. That's good. Things. Where'd you find those? You know, this I don't remember exactly the source. Sometimes if I'm quoting word for word, I will 
note down the source, but if I'm not quoting word for word, then I don't do that. Yeah. It might have been a Psychology Today or something. And I do like reading Psychology Today magazine. I believe they have things online, obviously. Every, everything has everything online nowadays. So I thought it was a quotation by Vladimir Putin. <laughs> not that one. No. <laughs> Not that one. Great philosopher. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I have another question for you. Okay. School has already started. Mm -hmm. This is fall of 2020. With COVID, a lot of students are working from home and they're doing everything online. I'm curious, how do you think teachers can make sure students are not cheating on their tests? Oh, are you kidding me? They couldn't do it in the classroom. Why? I mean, <laughs> you're sitting in a classroom, I, I guess, shy of collecting everyone's telephones. Kids are a lot more sophisticated than when you and I were in school. They are. They can share test questions and results and answers in between period changes. Mm -hmm. The world is available to them. As far as taking a test at home, I don't know how it's done today. I, well, I guess I... every book is an open test. Yes, every, every, test every test is, is an open, open book, book right, test. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. I understand what you're saying. Um, I actually have two kids in college, and I was talking to the one, and I asked him, so how is this addressed? You know, anyone can cheat, and that's not fair for people that are not cheating. Then You're almost at a disadvantage if you don't cheat. Because mm. if the teacher is assuming that you're going to cheat, they might either give you more problems, less time to do the exam, or something to make it more difficult for you to be able to go to additional resources. What he said is, and I'm sure that for each subject, maybe, they have to employ different tactics. Yeah. When I say subjects, I mean like science versus like liberal arts where you're doing a lot of writing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have to write it. It has to be your own thing. But he's in the sciences, and he said that, first of all, while they're doing the test, they have to keep a window open for the Zoom so the teachers can actually look at you. I see. So you have to be the person in front of the camera there. And they also have a, a way to make sure that whatever tab you open to take the test you cannot flip off that tab. Oh, so you have to have a second computer next you can, to you. You can have a second computer next to you and look at other things. But I don't know if it, the Zoom thing tracks your eyeballs and your movements and, you know, your head shakes and things like that. It seems to me that they do have different strategies to not allow for that. But here's the thing. So, okay, teachers and universities and schools have had the summer to figure this kind of stuff out. Mm -hmm. COVID started back in March of 2020, which was still in the spring semester of 2020. Right. They might not have had all that. And I actually know somebody that said they had someone else take their exam for him. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Recently? Back in uh, the spring semester. Wow. And I, I think it might have been like the final exam. And maybe they didn't have these things employed at that time. So he just had not, I don't mean like help me with a problem. I right. mean, sit there and take the whole test for me. So that's, that's the kind of thing that used to go on with uh, SATs, where you would hire someone who knew the test well and right. scored perennially right. high. And right. they would go in there and the examiner wouldn't know you from Adam. No, exactly. So, you know, they would just, right. you know, he'd practice your signature perhaps. Yep. I think kind of a larger philosophical question is, do you want professionals graduating with degrees to know everything in their head or know where to get the answers from? What's really important at this point? Because when I don't think you you want a doctor who, who's got all the answers between his ears, but you want him to get the diagnosis correct. You want him to be... Yeah, somewhat resourceful and be able to know where to right. get the answer. And that's what you're testing them. I hear what you're saying, but there's still pieces in any kind of an exam that you need to know the basics. 
Right. You need to know where to go to get that right answer, right? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that might be a part of it. I'm glad you brought that up about professionals. So it's one thing to say as a student what you're doing, knowing the information, getting good grades on tests. But ultimately, that student is going to become some sort of a professional, a worker, an employee of some sort, or an employer maybe. Mm -hmm. So let's look at that part of the equation. Now with everything going online, how do managers actually make sure that their employees are productive? How do they boost productivity in a remote team? There's a podcast about this. Mm. And the podcast is specifically about how to boost productivity and be a good manager in a remote environment, right? which is very different than if you're face-to-face, in-person. I have my office. Your office is down the hall. If something's going on, I can come over there and chat with you, or you can stop by, or you might see me in a hallway. That kind of relationship is very different. You don't have that casual conversation. You don't have that hallway thing. You don't have that, remember that water cooler conversation That's type right. of thing? Well, there is none of that anymore. Yeah, I, I think this situation has been maturing, has been, has been uh, be, because working from home didn't just didn't start with, with COVID-19. Sure. People have been doing it with greater frequency over the last few years. And I think people, companies were beginning to see the value of letting people work from home, reducing office size, and the basic philosophy of keeping productivity high amongst your employees kind of stays the same. And if anything, it's more important than ever, where you set certain goals for them and you check in on them regularly. And you have meetings and you check to see if these goals are being made. What are you falling behind on? Mm -hmm. Certainly, it helps to have metrics. It helps to have clear black and white goals. Mm -hmm. And let's check at the end of the week to see how many of these you've made. Right. So I have a feeling that this is going to be one of those topics that maybe in another couple of months or in a year or something, hopefully we'll still be doing this podcast this way, um, <laughs> that we'll talk about again, we'll address again. Right now, we know that there's already podcasts talking about it. There's studies and reports. Uh, Gallup talks about it, and they do a lot of market research and studies on employee productivity and all kinds of issues related to employment and mm -hmm. employees. But I think it's something that's going to be going on. It's not just a matter of increasing productivity. But when you want to congratulate someone mm -hmm. in the workplace or on your team or a whole team, uh, the methodology and what you used to do in a real life situation, maybe if I knew you on a regular basis and I knew you liked to golf or you like guitar, maybe something that you would enjoy is something related to it, like a, some guitar music or a, a guitar accessory or something mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. that. But I might not know you that way anymore to be able to do that. So right. how do you motivate and how do you, you know, there's so many parts of being a manager, that whole manager-employee relationship mm -hmm. and getting people to work at their best level. Mm -hmm. I think what people didn't realize is that the workplace offered not just a, a place to do your work, but for many people, I think it was a place to, it was a part of your social life. It mm -hmm. was a part of your friendships. It was a part of so many other pieces of your life. Absolutely. Which have now all gone away. Yeah. A lot of the same philosophy applies in business. You want to make sure that you catch the employees doing something correct and mm -hmm. you praise them for it. You want to make sure that they have a stake in the company. Right. And if they believe 
that, yeah, I work at Acme. Well, you know, it's just my job. No, you want them to say, Acme is my company. Is my company, Is my company. I feel an ownership on it. And I I feel at that point that we're all doing more than we can to make sure the ship sails in the right direction. So you bring up a very important point. I think I think loyalty with your employer has been redefined over the years. In the past, let's say 20, 30 years ago, people that I worked with back then, Mm -hmm. their longevity with a company, and in fact, companies used to say, our average employee has been working with us for 15 years, 20 years. And that used to be a a point of elevation. Like, we're such a good company, our employees stay with us. That's right. So that sense of loyalty that employees have to the employer, Mm -hmm. I think had already been degrading. And I wonder now, if I'm working online anyway, does it matter if I'm working for Acme or Zenith or some other XYZ company? That's an interesting stat in terms of how long the average employee stays with the company. I have to believe it's down to a third of what it used to be 20 years ago. Oh, absolutely. I I, I completely agree with you. Kids entering the workforce now are probably expecting to stay with a company for two to three years before they move on. Yeah. And that's for multiple reasons. That has nothing to do with COVID or the current situation. Mm -hmm. I think that's just the way businesses run nowadays. In fact, back 20, 30 years ago, if you had multiple employers on your resume, they would say, what's wrong with you? Can't hold a job. Yeah, can't hold a job. Right. Right. Well, now, if you only have one or two, they'll say, what's wrong with you? Why have you stayed in the same place? Are you stagnant? You know, not ambitious. Not are ambitious. Yeah. <laughs> well, moving on to another topic and a completely different topic, actually. Mm-hmm. Do you compost? Oh, stop it. <laughs> is that some sort of sexual euphemism? How dare you? <laughs> this is a family show. I'm assuming... I get very personal with these questions, you know? I'm assu- I just want our <laughs> listeners to really know who you are, your whole background and your life well, story. Well, some dirty little <laughs> secrets are best kept in the closet. Is that where you keep your compost? <laughs> you know, I used to compost, I, but, but I used to have two acres of land also. Uh-huh. And uh, it was just a, a pile where I, th- where I threw vegetable scraps. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I just raked it over once uh-huh, in a while. Uh-huh. And, and I tried to use that after several years to... Fertilize something. Fer- yeah. yeah, just make the, the, the garden soil a little richer. Uh-huh. And I would find orange peels and, you know, just... R- <laughs> the stuff wasn't breaking down. I, I guess I, I wasn't doing it re- really well. <laughs> Nobody has, nobody around here anyway, has land enough or space enough for a composter or a compost pile. Rather than put it into a landfill somewhere, the garbage disposal works in terms of breaking it down to something that can be assimilated Mm -hmm. into the sewer system. Right. I actually have a funny story. I mean, I had made some comments about composting and how it just seemed to like come up in my life several times over a span of like a couple of days. You know, mm-hmm. I was talking to a friend about it or I read an article about it or I saw something on TV about it. So I figured I needed to talk about this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. But I have a funny story for you. I was with a friend who actually does have a decent sized garden. He grows a lot of fruits and vegetables mm-hmm. and herbs and he Not has herbs. flowers. Herbs. 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 I heard the Herbs. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, delete that. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, he also has a compost. and Compost pile. Compost pile. And he had thrown scraps of stuff in there and had turned it around and then was using that for one of his flower beds. He put it in there. And so his flowers hadn't grown yet. (laughs) But some of the stuff that he had in his compost was, I think, squash seeds or something. Oh, yeah. And so because the flowers hadn't grown yet that he had, the squash started to grow. 
he had a friend come over and he was going through the garden with this friend and he was explaining. And so she looked over at it and she said, what are you growing here? And he said, I have these flowers that I'm growing here. And this person that was asking the question is actually a, a serious gardener and knows her stuff. Yeah. And she was probably looking at the squash leaves. Saying, of course. You don't know what the hell you're talking about because that is no flower. That is squash. And he realized after what had happened. Yeah. Anything you throw in that pile has a chance of growing. Any seed, of course. <laughs> I throw lemon seeds, lime seeds, yeah. apple seeds. Anything could be growing in that then, right? Anything can grow out of it. Yeah. And <laughs> it's, it's I, nice, rich soil that you water regularly, too. What really cracked me up about the whole story as he's telling me this is he's got, like I said, a fairly extensive garden. And he does know his stuff. And mm. he does try to experiment and try different things. And here he has a friend over is trying to, you know, show show her the whole garden thing and starts identifying things that were totally inaccurate he goes when i realized what happened i had to literally like yank out all the the squash and then and i'm saying squash i don't (laughs) well it could have been zucchini or something it could have been yeah Yeah, 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 and he does normally grow zucchini so he he pulled that out and then the flowers finally had a chance to flourish because Uh of zucchini yeah yeah that was a funny story do you compost No, I don't, but I'm thinking that it would be really nice to compost. I used to think that the people that compost were someone that lives off on a farm that were super environmentally conscientious, and it was only for those granola-eating type of, you know, (laughs) uh, and I'm using my fingers to do the air quotes. And I can see them now. (laughs) And you can see them now, right. But now I think it's actually like a a great way to reuse, your reuse, repurpose, all that stuff, right? So why should you throw it out? And in fact, if you can bring those nutrients back into the soil and reintroduce that into something else that you're doing i think that's great i worked in an office that went through a pound of coffee a day no and a big urn Uh you know normally they would throw that out right but i read somewhere where it's good for the garden and so i was taking five pounds of coffee Uh grounds Uh and putting it in my garden i guess it worked it kind of grew a little mold on top of it but the plants didn't mind but the, the thing is not very many people actually garden uh, or have a use for composting rich mm-hmm. soil. Mm-hmm. That's interesting that you said that about the coffee grounds, though, mm-hmm. because I do, uh, my husband drinks coffee. I drink coffee as well, but he has this coffee maker that keeps all the coffee grounds in a separate little thing. Oh. And um, I have been, uh, I've tried to Google to see what I could do with coffee grounds. Yeah. But anything that I come up with always has a precaution of some sort. So I don't think coffee grounds are good for all kinds of plants. Yeah, probably not. And I think it changes like the pH level of your soil. That's and right. And it might actually change. It's the, acidic. Yeah, yeah. So there's a, a limitation. There's all kinds of caveats. It's not like you can just take that coffee ground and just sprinkle it in and all your indoor plants, outdoor plants, and think it's all going to be good. Much, yeah, much exactly. the same way that one type of fertilizer isn't good for all plants. True. I was using flower and vegetable fertilizer on my lime tree oh, uh-huh. until I found that fertilizer that I gave you for your lemon tree as right. well. And it smells like manure, <laughs> probably because it is. I, I definitely know that it smells like manure because you gave it to me and I kept it in the back of my car until I took it home and it was in the summer. It was hot and then my car smelled like manure. <laughs> but that, I still do appreciate the fact that you gave it to me and I it did go into the lemon tree pot. You sure that was a fertilizer and not the dead body in the trunk? <laughs> it was, oh, darn it. Don't tell people. Oh, oh. Jeez. <laughs> One size does not fit all. 
No, absolutely. No, absolutely. The other thing that I read about it is that you can't overuse it either. So obviously you, well, you can't sprinkle it on the same stuff like every day or every couple of days. You have to wait like two weeks or three weeks. So I figured I'd, I'd save it. And they actually put it in this big jug thing mm-hmm. that had like a shaker lid on it. Mm-hmm. So I figure when I'm ready to use it again, I can go outside and like sprinkle the coffee grounds. Well, <laughs> I left that jug in my laundry room. I looked at it after like maybe a week or so it had started growing things inside yeah. i'm like oh gross yeah at that point i'm like okay i'm just throwing that thing out yeah it's, it's they're prone to mold because yeah. for, for starters it's damp and warm yeah and, and it's a that was brand. not a good idea to put it in a jar <laughs> yeah i i don't know there, there are all kinds of approaches to composting i used to occasionally when i was maintaining a garden the size of a couple of rooms you know might have been 20 by 15 that's uh, a with, with raised big beds. sized yeah, and I had fencing all around it. And so I was kind of getting into organic gardening and I was reading books on it. And they had these huge plastic drums that you would yeah. open up a hatch, throw stuff in, and then just give it a rotate right, every, right, every day, right, that right, kind of right. thing. It was just a pain in the neck. Frankly. See, that's what I was... That's what I thought composting was, is that you had to buy these bins. It was a big, complicated process. You had to do other things. So that same friend I was telling you about that has a compost that had the zucchini seeds in his garden, he told me he composted. I'm like, oh, you do? Can you please show me like what you do and how you do it? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. He takes me out to the backyard. It was literally just like a little pit on the side. That's right. And that's all he was doing is throwing it in there. He goes every couple of days I go through and whenever I add something, I kind of like take a rake and yeah. turn it a little bit. I had a pitchfork that you can turn over. Ultimately, what I wound up getting was a, it looked like a, a square upside down garbage can. Yeah. And the lid came off and you would just throw stuff on, you'd put it back on and it was black, so it got warm in the sunlight, and that helped break down the organic material. You could scramble it up occasionally, but out of the bottom, there was a little door Mm -hmm. that you would pull out and Mm -hmm. and, and pull the the rich Mm. material out of. Nice, nice. Yeah. Would you do that again? No. Why? For starters, varmints were living in it. Oh, ooh, no, I wouldn't like that. Little field mice. Ooh, no, thank you, no, thank you, no, thank you. That just, that solidified why I wouldn't do it. (laughs) Actually, the convenient thing is if you put that right outside your door, but then you don't want the varmints that close. And that's another point that my friend did tell me, too. He's like, I can't put it right outside my door because it's going to stink up the whole thing. It does smell a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, So you'd have to put it a little further out. Okay. Well, we better. I don't want to talk about stinky stuff. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to, to better. I don't know if this is a better topic or not. But anyway, so we've had the pandemic now since March. We've been dealing with this for over eight months. Yeah. 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 Quite a while. Do you feel like... Your personality or your habits have changed the person that you are in those months? I hope not. I hope I, I would hope that I'm stronger than any, <laughs> any well, virus. Well, maybe a change of personality is a strong question. Maybe I just mean more like have some of your habits or some of your tendencies change. And then I'll, I'll tell you why. Because there was a study that shows actually that women now are spending... 15 more hours per week on domestic labor, meaning whether it's cleaning up the house, Mm. attending to their children, doing laundry, you know, like all those things kind of combined because they're staying home and the kids are home. And, Uh, you know, so you're talking about working women? Yeah. I see. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, certainly I'm doing a lot more work around the house, a, a lot more housekeeping myself. So yeah, things like that. Yeah, but you change to adapt to the circumstances. I'd like to say that I'm a lot more religious about working out, which is right here in our basement. Yes, wonderful. But uh, I'm not. <laughs> you know, I'm, it's a struggle, frankly. I mean, when we talk about habits, we talk about exercise, we talk about eating, we talk about whether it's those domestic chores that I had mentioned, um, anything that you have to do more or less of now that we're in this environment. So you're not socializing as much. Right. Maybe you're not going out as much. Maybe you're not even eating out as much. Your availability of free time might be different than it, what it used to be. Mm. Have things in your life changed? Do, do, oh, well, do I watch more TV? I don't even know. Do I have more screen time than I used to? I've been watching not television so much. I only watch television these days for, for news. Yeah. I watch certain segments on Netflix, mm -hmm. on YouTube channels that I like and I enjoy, and I'll watch those. In terms of the way this lockdown has changed my life, it's like everybody else. We're not eating out as much. I wash a lot more dishes because yeah, right. because we're always eating at home. Right. And that's loosening up now, at least mm -hmm. in, in mm -hmm. this area. I, I've been uh, trying to address different projects around the house uh, that, have, that I've been overlooking for a while. So I think what a lot of people are saying is that they have realized that certain things that they were doing before, maybe, are not as important to them anymore. Mm. So maybe any other kind of activities that they might have been involved in thinking that it was really important, not only for themselves, but for their family. Like when you have young kids nowadays, they're involved in so many different things, after school things, weekend things, activities, projects, sports within the school or soccer, or baseball, you know, just too many things that they were overscheduled with. Mm -hmm. And they're realizing that maybe that's not so necessary. So people are changing, I think, by having this experience of staying at home the things that they liked and disliked about their pre-COVID life mm -hmm. to maybe the things that they want to do more of. So maybe now that they're home more, maybe they're doing more yoga or meditations and they're thinking, okay, that's something I, I want to continue doing because it's really helping and benefiting. Wanda is a yoga practitioner and she very much enjoys enjoyed past tense going to the studio mm -hmm. and having a class there they've opened it up in the last few months where there's kind of a zoom class mm -hmm. that everyone partakes in there's a little conversation before a little conversation afterwards right. thank you very much it was a great session what's going on with you how's your family this kind of stuff and that helps the socialization but she probably does more yoga now than she had in the past wow yeah, so I think there's that in many people in terms of changes in lifestyle and adapting to different ways to do what you used to do or maybe eliminate things or maybe add on things. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, Joe, another episode of the Chat Buffet is over for now. It was great chatting with you, Joe. And you, Asha. Looking forward to our next chat. Talk to you again soon. Thanks for decompressing with us today. Also, feel free to share the link with your friends and family and talk about these topics amongst yourselves. Meet you at the next Chat Buffet, a place where friendly conversation is served up on a regular basis.